Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for today's episode that, once again, is brought to you by our friends at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, if you use the code LOCKEDON at the checkout, you'll get $10 off your first order. And I'm pretty excited today because we have got a guest with us that has been around. Uh, we were just joking before we started recording, perhaps some of the not-so-successful years of the Bucks franchise, but he was a long-time beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and uh, he's still around. He retired, but I don't think anyone really believed that. He's back. He's doing covering games for the Associated Press, and he's also a Bucks season ticket holder, so he's all, always around Fiso Forum. It is, of course, Charles Gardner. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come on. Thanks a lot, King. Great to uh, talk to you from afar, and I mean uh, you're really far away this time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And and we were sort of just talking about it, but for you, this this period has to be such a weird time you've been covering sports for so long and so used to going to to sporting events uh how strange is this for you and and what are you doing to to keep yourself occupied and uh is this been as difficult as it has for uh, i guess most people without sports oh i think so kane i know a lot of people ask me uh hey what are you gonna do no games you know you must you must be crazy. You must be at loose ends. And I think early on in March when everything came to a halt, the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball spring training, uh, I thought, well, oh, you know, I'll, I'll probably be okay. <laughs> and, and I think I have been. I'm not watching replays of sports because I think live sports is such a, a great thing. Uh, the only replay I watched was Game 7 of the Cubs World Series in 2016 and people that know me know why I watch that because I'm a big Cubs fan but that's about the only replay I have watched uh but I will admit over the last few weeks I have said to friends and acquaintances well you know this is getting a little more difficult this is I'm and I'm sure I'm like every uh, so many people in the world uh, I see the Bundesliga is coming back this weekend and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I watch a little of that, uh, certainly out of curiosity. And, uh, you know, I covered a lot of soccer in my career as well, or football. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's starting to get a little rougher. And, of course, in talking about the Bucks, uh, it's they were having such a great season, as you know, and you were here. And uh, so it, it's disappointing. Of course, there are many bigger issues, so many huge issues in the world that we can't get too wrapped up in that. But it, it, was, a, it was a great season, and for it to, you know, I heard Shaquille O'Neal say there would be an asterisk no matter what happens with this season, and I, I, think, he, I think he's right about that. Yeah, we've, we've been obviously talking a lot about that on this show, the possibilities, what could happen, how this is going to end up, and we don't really know. I mean, it certainly looks like there's, it's trending towards basketball returning in some capacity i would say in the next couple of months we'll see what happens there but for you 
I figured we could go through uh, the time from the start right through to, to now as you're covering the team. And we actually, thanks to you, uh, Charles, I have to say, I had Michael Hunt on the podcast a few weeks ago from Finland. And, I'm so uh, glad you, you found him. You yeah, found him. Huh? I tracked him yeah. down. He was, actually, he was actually very excited to talk about the team. He said he, he enjoyed being able to go back and, and think about some of those times. But, but you came in on, on the, let's say, the, the back end of that successful team. I'm curious what it was like for you walking into that environment because from, from all reports and everyone we speak to, including you know, George Carl when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, uh, it, it wasn't the best environment in the locker room and guys weren't happy and uh, things really tailed off. Yeah, it, it, you know, when I came in, it was just after George Carl. In fact, uh, as I told you before we went on, on the podcast, uh, the first story I did was George Carl being fired. <laughs> that was kind of my entry into the Bucks beat. And I remember that was on a, a summer day and, and a surprise of sorts, although changes were being made. And uh, Ernie Grunfeld was the general manager. He was let go. Larry Harris came in and replaced him. And, uh, but in my 15 years, I only dealt with two general managers. I was looking back at that. That's kind of amazing, especially for a team that lost as much as the Bucks did <laughs> during my tenure, Larry Harris and John Hammond. So uh, that was fortunate for me because I got to know both of those individuals. And I think I had a good relationship with, uh, with both of them. And, uh, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was it was a big change when George left. Of course, George had been successful, and uh, you talked to Michael Hunt. I'm sure he gave you some of those good stories. He's the guy who knows George, and you talked to George himself. It was fantastic. So he he's making the rounds. You talk to him. He's he's doing series too. Uh, you know, I saw him on Sports Center the other night after the uh, the eighth. I guess it was the eighth episode that's on ESPN about Michael Jordan. So yeah. Uh, you know, there, it was a big moment of transition. Things had not gone well. You know, George had traded Ray Allen for Gary Payton. And that was, as you know, Kane, uh, every time Gary Payton came to the Bradley Center, uh, the rest of his career, he, he was booed every time he touched the ball, not just when he got introduced, but every time he touched the ball. So there were a lot of um, changes uh, coming on and uh i really liked terry porter he was a young coach and uh he he had he was from stevens point you know he was from milwaukee actually but had gone to uw stevens point been a star and then of course a star in the nba with the portland trailblazers he was really a likable guy as that first coach uh but again things didn't go so well and then uh terry stotts um came in and there were other coaches and uh yeah it just started a long run of uh of uh kind of humility yeah. <laughs> uh, there were some good there were some good moments but uh some great stories i i'm not complaining i had great stories to cover during during those years and uh a lot of fun but uh, it was really a struggle and uh i thought they were going to win a playoff series finally in my last year there Came when they were, uh, <laughs> they won the first game in Toronto in 2017, and you know they were up in that series two to one, and it seemed like they just crushed the Raptors at home. Well, we know about their history with the Raptors; these two series here in recent years. But I had the first one, and uh, you know they were up two to one, 
but then lost at home. And then uh, we know they lost that series four, four games to two. But uh, that was kind of Giannis starting to become the star he is today. I look back today and in that game one victory in Toronto, I see he had 28 points and eight rebounds. And I thought, wow, I forgot he had such a good game, that game in Toronto. So that was where he was starting to become, uh, you know, what the MVP that we, we see today. Yeah, like Boston last season, I guess the Bucks were able to to sort of get their revenge. Toronto is probably the next team. They've had a couple of series now, as you mentioned. But uh, you spoke yeah. about Terry Porter, and it's interesting because when I when I look back at these teams from around that 2004 to 2008 period, I mean, the thing that stands out to you, first of all, yes, the teams weren't overly successful. They had one playoff series against the Pistons, which was, you know, kind of one of those series where they're there, but you know that they don't have a chance of right, advancing. Right. But Terry Porter, Terry Stotts, Larry Kay, then Scott Skiles comes in. I mean, how difficult is it or was it for this roster and this locker room to, to have confidence and stay together through all this when uh, – there wasn't really that much confidence coming from above in, in the head coach. There was just so much instability uh, for these teams to really get anything done. No, it really was true. You know, Christos is one of my favorite guys in the league. And when I retired, he sent me such a nice message, you know, and of course we knew him because he had coached here and uh, it didn't work out for him here because of some of those problems. Um, and then Larry, Larry Kuskowiak, who was from Montana, was a guy I knew a little bit. And I always contend that he was just, he wasn't ready for an NBA head coaching job. He, he's certainly a very good college coach and he's proven that. Uh, but he was, he was thrust into that probably unfairly, right? And, and uh, with some of the struggles the team had. And then they made a good decision, you know, to get Scott Skiles because he had been with the Bulls, been a successful coach. He's a guy who, who knew how to coach in the NBA. And, of course, you know, he did a good job to get him in 2009-10 to the, uh, you know, into the playoffs. And we all know that was the year Andrew Bogut suffered that terrible injury in the, late in the season. And I still believe if he had been playing, they would have never lost the first-round series. They almost won it without him. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a 3-2 lead. And we're coming home for game six and just laid an absolute egg in the game six at home with everybody so hyped, you know, at the Bradley Center for them to win that game. And I remember going back to Atlanta and it being on national TV, an afternoon game for the game seven. And you knew they just probably didn't have a very good chance. And then when I got in the locker room that morning, we learned Brandon Jennings was sick. And, and that was in the early days, uh, Kane, of Twitter and kind of the early days of, you know, trying to get that out instantly. Yeah. And I remember getting that out and racing to get out the casino. Oh, oh my gosh, they were already going to be underdogs. And then Brandon wasn't feeling good, good that day. It wasn't quite the Scottie Pippen thing that we <laughs> saw in the series, but it was a little bit like that, you know. And if, if they had any chance, Brandon was probably going to have to go off and have a great game. He didn't feel well and – uh you know, the, when their starting center that day was Primo's Brezic, you know, instead of Andrew Bogut, that, that, that told you a lot. So, <laughs> so they did not win. I remember I was packed either to come home or go to Orlando. And of course, I came home. 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I, I do think those coaches, uh, Terry Stotts proved that he was, he's a, a great coach in the NBA, but that was kind of his uh, first shot at it, and it didn't go that well. A, a lot of the problems, uh, we, we know we can talk about Andrew, but also, you know, I had written down some of the injuries that occurred on my watch, Kane and uh, T.J. Ford, who was a first-round yeah. first pick and a great guy, by the way. He was one of my guys that I really liked. I was there when he had that spinal cord injury that night, and they took him off on the stretcher. And, you know, he was never really the, the same. And so when, when you think about that, and then, and then you know, Michael Redd was the star of the, those teams. He was an all-star in 2004. And for him to have two ACL injuries to the same knee, his left knee, I was at the Bradley Center, the first one he had. And the second one he had was in Los Angeles. And I remember I was traveling. Uh, Tom Inland, who had worked with me, had covered the game in Los Angeles. And I was going to Utah, I believe. I all I remember is I was in an airport and getting the story about the second when the diagnosis was certain. And I had talked to John Hammond to get the story, I believe. And, you know, here it was, the same knee. And uh, that was really unfortunate because that, that that's – sideline Michael uh, very prematurely, I think, in his career. And he just never – he still had a pretty good NBA career. But when you have two ACL injuries, uh, you know, I thought about it today. I had two players that had that, Jabari Parker yeah. later and uh, Michael. And uh, it, it was a shame. I remember the last night, Michael's last game in Oklahoma. And because he was the Buck star, period, he and I got to be – Pretty, I, w I would say we had an understanding. <laughs> you know, sometimes he wasn't always the guy he wanted. He didn't always want to talk. You know how this goes, Kane. But he was always good. I thought he was good overall. And I had to understand some of that part. And especially with those injuries that sometimes he didn't want to be available. But he was, you know, really a stand-up person. Uh, you know, used some of his money to buy a church in Columbus, Ohio. I was reading a story about him the other day. I guess he's become a very successful yeah. um, trader. Maybe you knew that. I, I was just reading about that more the other day because um, I, I hadn't really kept up with Michael. But I remember talking to him in Oklahoma and saying, hey, it could have been different, but you still had a great career and you know, thanked him for the help he had given me over, over all those years. Because he was the standard bearer, you know, for better or worse, for those teams. Yeah, I think it was a game and sometimes looked over, even when you think about that 2009-2010 team, obviously the Bucks made the move and picked up John Salmons, who had such an incredible run through the playoffs. But not only did they have no Andrew Bogut, for the first round, but but also no Michael Red, and he wasn't exactly himself. He'd already had that first ACL injury, but I would have liked to see uh, the Bucks have a chance to play with Brandon Jennings, Michael Red, and, and Andrew Bogut all healthy at their best. Uh, I think that was a team that they could have had success. But I think so. Too. The question yeah. I wanted to ask you, sorry, was uh, Scott Skiles. Let's just say from the outside, from afar, he came across as a as a prickly character, and you talk to the players even. And they say, yeah, I mean, he's a coach that after a while will wear you down. 
I'm wondering from your point of view, what was what was he like as a as a coach to work with? Because uh, you know we we know it's not always uh, an easy relationship to have with an NBA coach. Let's just say that, particularly when they're not winning all that much. <laughs> Kane, I I always tell people this, and uh, he was the best guy to work with. He w- he understood what beat writers needed, and he had worked with the Bulls. He he understood and I always tell this story when he came to the Bucks uh, Casey Johnson who covered the Bulls for the Tribune called me after he got hired in Milwaukee and he says Charles he says I want my coach back <laughs> and and I was like what you know or, or or you know I think it was later on maybe a year in and we were kidding maybe it was at a game at the United Center and Casey said hey Charles what do you think of Scott he's really great isn't he I want my coach back <laughs> and, <laughs> And he was right because Scott just knew, you know, what what beat reporters needed, and you know he would come over practice with Andy. He'd come over immediately, talk to the reporters. You know, he 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 could be prickly, could be prickly with the players when he left. I I know there were players in the locker room that weren't sad about it. <laughs> you know he. I remember there, there was a story one time after they they got Tobias Harris, and I think he was just a rookie, and uh, Scott had the box score, and you know Tobias had failed to get a rebound in the game, <laughs> and Scott was like, "Hey, you know, this guy is the forward; he's got to have some rebounds." I mean, he could he could be very blunt, and if you if you were too sensitive, then maybe you know that wasn't the best for you. You know, Andrew Bogut and Skiles, I think you'd have to ask Andrew, but they got along pretty well. And Skiles made him the center of his defense. Skiles was was a defensive-minded coach. He'd always had good defensive teams. And when he got to Milwaukee, he just he said, look, Andrew's going to be the heart of it. And he's he's and he Andrew improved as a shot blocker under Skiles, improved as a defender, and you know. That was that was how Scott liked to build his teams, and I. You talked about that 0-9-10 team. That was going to be a really good team if in the playoffs. Nobody wanted to play them if the Bogut injury had not happened, and uh, yeah. And uh, you mentioned John Salmons in that. I, I just want to side before I get back to Skiles. I always say that that year after they got Salmons in that trade, which was just a steal of a trade with the Bulls. They sent Joe Alexander, you know, who had been a plus <laughs> draft pick, <laughs> to the Bulls in that deal. And Salmons was Kobe Bryant for 30 games. I mean, <laughs> a, a game, literally. He was that good. The first night in Detroit, he hit a game-clinching shot, a shot that nobody else on that Bucks team would have taken. Bang. And I remember sitting courtside and thinking, wow, you know, this guy, he's not afraid. He's yeah. not afraid of anything. And 22-8, and eight, you know. And uh, had Andrew been able to stay healthy, you know, it's one of those big what ifs, but uh, John Salmons. And of course, then they signed him to a big contract and he wasn't any good after that. <laughs> of course, of course. You're well, right. you know. I, I was looking at this, uh, at this team the other day and I sort of went through, you, you mentioned there was a what if, and that was the what if I said how strong this team would have been. But you mentioned a 22 and eight to finish the season. Uh, they'd had success against Boston, who was eventually the team that went to the finals. I don't think, that the Bucs would have had any fear uh, taking on that, that Celtics team at all. But 
with with the Andrew Bogut uh, question, and you, and you hit the nail on the head. I, I asked Andrew Bogut about Scott Skiles when he was on the podcast, and you're right. He said he made me the defender I was, and I always enjoyed playing uh, under under Scott. But the yeah. story I want yeah. to get to, we had Andrew Bogut's side of this, and I know you told me this uh, several times. Uh, we spoke about this and had this conversation about this interaction you had with Andrew. I know he was a guy that you got along with well. Uh, what do you remember about the time that, that he sent you that email uh, about the arm injury and, and what was going to happen there? Yeah, I just remember that that summer I was looking to do a story after that, and I, he was back in Australia. And uh, he was always good about getting back to you. And I forget, you know, how it happened that I, I could email him and he would answer. And, uh, you know, I, it was just a simple question. He had been injured and obviously had not been able to play in the playoffs. And I think I just asked a regular question, and uh, Andrew was always honest. That you know how he is. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, that's why uh, I had such a good relationship with him. He, he and I always joked because I had covered him when he was drafted. He was the number one pick. I had followed all that. And he always said, Charles, you were stalking me. You know, even if we joke about it, he says, hey, you're the guy who stalked me. I was like, hey, Andrew, you're the number one pick for my team that I was covering. And we always joked about that. But that that summer, you know, he just sent back a real answer in the email just saying, hey, I, you know, I hurt my elbow and I'm not sure I'm ever going to be the same again. And and it it was just so honest. You don't hear players say those type of things. and it went viral kind of surprising me, you know, at that time that uh, so many people picked up on it, but it was just him being honest and saying, Hey, this is really going to be tough because I remember at the time there was a lot of question, like, could he come back and play effectively period? And he did, you know, he came back and, and even though he could hardly uh, shoot uh, a shot, well, he couldn't shoot with that right hand really. Um, and. Uh, but he, he was very honest in saying, look, I'm not sure I'm ever going to be the same. And I don't think he was as an offensive player. He wasn't. But uh, defensively, he, could see he was so smart. You know, we all see how, how he helped the Warriors and helped as part of their championship run. And I remember running into him again uh, in Oakland when he was out there and just talking with him in the locker room. And, you know, he was just so grateful to be on that team. <laughs> and, and, uh, but he, he was helping that team as well. And they knew how to, you know, Steve Kerr knew how to use him, uh, effectively. And, uh, but I think, I think in Milwaukee, when you're the number one pick in the draft, so much is expected and, you know, it was hard for Andrew to live up to all of that. And especially with the injuries, because uh, besides that grotesque injuries suffered, uh, that night in, uh, I wrote it down, what was it was April 3rd, 2010. And of course I was there and that was horrific because the team was going so, bad. and I remember going down and they had taken him out on a stretcher and it was a gruesome scene. I, I think most people know that. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just emotionally and physically devastating to the whole franchise. But um yeah, he was uh, certainly a great, great person to work with. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he got a ring. 
All right, Charles, I've got plenty more I still need to ask you, but for today, I'm going to leave it there and we're going to get you back tomorrow. Of course, we have to dive into Giannis, plenty of Giannis talk on tomorrow's podcast. I also want to ask you about Larry Sanders and what went wrong there with the Bucks, and also perhaps times that you've got yourself in trouble. So this has been fun so far. I want to get you back tomorrow. Thank you for jumping on the show today. For everyone else, remember to go to BuiltBar.com and take advantage of the offer we have for our listeners. Use the code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com and get $10 off your first order. Also, don't forget to check out the Rejecting the Screen podcast with our friends Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov on the network. But for now, for Charles, for myself, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll speak to you guys then. 